Hello and welcome to How to Fail with Elizabeth Day, the podcast that celebrates the things that haven't gone right. This is a podcast about learning from our mistakes and understanding that why we fail ultimately makes us stronger. Because learning how to fail in life actually means learning how to succeed better. I'm your host, author and journalist Elizabeth Day, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what they've learned from failure. When Claudia Winkleman was younger, her parents gave her advice for entering the world of work. Make the tea, whoever you are. And although these days she is far beyond the realms of making the tea, you can imagine she still does it. Her nature as a broadcaster is always to be on your side, whether you're a viewer, a listener, or a contestant. On Strictly Come Dancing, which she has co-hosted with Tess Daly for almost a decade, Winkleman is the one who cheers up Ed Balls after he's received a three from the judges. On her Saturday morning Radio 2 show, she encourages her millions of listeners to phone in and take part. And although her BAFTA-winning stint fronting the traitors showed us the darker side, Winkleman still ended up giving the main traitor a hug when they had a meltdown. I have no time for perfect, she has said. The perfect dinner party, the perfect bedspread, the perfect conversation starter, that all makes me feel nauseous. I like ramshackle and funny and smart, which is why I like shepherd's pie and bridge with my best and oldest friend. And I like things sort of decaying, including myself. I find that much more charming. I'm happy to fall apart. Claudia Winkleman, welcome to How to Fail. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was, now, Claudia was very worried that my introduction was going to be so nice that she would cringe into obsolescence. I don't really like nice, but that was, that, that was charming okay. and lovely. And I did write that last bit, or I, th- or I said that last you bit, did. so I can't argue with that. And my parents are amazing, and they did tell me, always be there the first, be there the last, make the tea. So I can't argue with any of it. And I kept it deliberately quite short, because there's so much I want to talk to you about. Okay, Because let's... I... Utterly adore you. I adore you from afar. I adore you in your presence. Now I'm going to make you cringe. Um, But I just wanted to get straight into chatting because there's so much to talk about. And I suppose the first thing I want to ask is about that thing of being happy to fall apart. When did you start feeling happy to fall apart? I, I think from quite early on. If there's perfect here, you know, people who want things to look good and ordered and alphabetized and organized... And then there's the other end. I'm past the other end. I like irregular and, as I say, ramshackle and messy. I'm not very good. I suppose, I mean, just look at the way I do my eye makeup. I mean, I'm not very good at neat. So I think I learned that quite early on. And so maybe at university where I just couldn't compete with sort of just, I don't know, a nice clean cardigan and a fresh face and a lovely pony and notes written down, possibly using two different colours and fonts. I'm not that person. So I just had to embrace it. And I think my parents also really encouraged not being perfect, like not having to come first. You don't need to get the A star. I'm never going to win a race. I've never moved. We'll discuss that later, I imagine. And failing, that's why I love your podcast, because my dad is huge on failing. He thinks it's absolutely vital. I mean, it's important. We've all got to 
mess things up. Mm. I want to come back to your parents, yeah. but you mentioned university there. And even though your parents didn't put you under pressure to get an A star, which didn't really exist in our day, no. but anyway, you still got to Cambridge to study art history. Yes. And you've said in the past, your speciality was Rembrandt and the way that you look is influenced by Rembrandt self-portraits. Well, yes. I mean, I was slightly exaggerating, but what I do like is the, and by the way, he was a genius, but I like chiaroscuro. I like smudged. I love smudged. I don't like pin sharp ever. I mean, look at the photos of my phone. They're all slightly wonky. I have 18,000 just of like a sofa end because I got confused. So yeah, I loved Rembrandt. I loved Titian. It was an absolute honour to go to such a place and learn about paintings. Did you enjoy it? No, I was very homesick at the beginning, really homesick, because I lived in a world where, honestly, where my mum and dad lived close to each other. They were divorced, but and I had brilliant step-parents, that I would go home and they would go, I'm not being funny, but did you use the blue ink? Or did you, have you just stuck with black? And for lunch, when you went to Boots and you shared a wrap with Melanie, did you do the cheese and pickle? Or did you do the cheese and coleslaw? Then I'd go off to university and nobody cares what colour ink I'm using or what I had for my lunch. And it was so confusing to me. I was just like, guys, I have gone for taramisolata from the co-op. Yes, I have. And everyone was like... Yeah, all right. Do you want to get drunk? I was like, no, I don't like it. So I was very homesick at the beginning, but then I loved it. Your parents sound like absolute legends. And I've had the honour of meeting your mother, Eve Pollard, one of the first ladies of Fleet Street, one of the first ever female editors of a national newspaper. And you mentioned there that they, they got divorced when you were three, but did a great job of co-parenting. A and brilliant job. But it's interesting because one of the things that comes up when you read about Claudia Winkleman, Potted History, is this phrase that you have no full siblings, which I always is a weird phrase. So you have half siblings. Yeah, but I think of them as full. Right. That was going to be my question. Have you? I've never, we don't do half. And it was weird earlier when I was talking about my step parents because I just sort of feel like I collected parents. You know, some people like snow globes and I just like family. So. We don't use any of those words. So I've got brother and sister, and then I've got three brilliant steps. So, yeah, no, I don't view them as halves. They are my brother and sister. Tell me about your parents. So my parents are utterly brilliant. So funny, clever, wise, so wise. Even I'm 51 now, and I don't do anything without just checking with my dad. Honestly, anything. Even if I'm like, I'm going to try dry cleaners. I don't often send something to the dry cleaners. I phone him up. I go, it's called Nancy's. Where do you stand on this? And he goes, I like it. Take a photograph of the menu outside. Send it to me. I mean, so sweet. Yeah, I'm incredibly lucky. So supportive. Slightly amused when I started doing telly, I think. Just like, what's she doing? She studied art history. She wanted to work in a gallery. But always supportive and very proud. And watch and listen to everything. And I've said to them, you really don't have to, guys. You don't feel like you have to. I can tell you who left Strictly, or I can tell you who won Traitors, or I can tell you about the little win on Radio 2. Like, no, no, no. We're there. We're with you. That's so sweet. Yeah. One of the things that I read about years ago, not for this podcast, but has always stuck with me as, as a sort of brilliant bit of parenting. Yeah is that I think it was your dad used to take you to art galleries and say to you, you can only look at one painting. It's and it the made most you, genius it's thing. It's so clever. It's so clever. So you know when you go for the day out or whether you're, I don't know, visiting a museum or an art gallery, you often think, well, I've come, either I've paid entry or I've 
you know, it's been a whole event. I've brought a picnic. We'll do these three rooms, then we'll sit down. And by the end of the day, you are exhausted and you're like, no, thank you. Thanks very much. Well done, Rome, but no. <laughs> so my dad, because we're so lucky the National Gallery is free, you take me to the National Gallery and I loved it because you go past the lions and it was super glamorous and we'd take the tube and we'd go in every Saturday morning and I was only ever allowed to look at one painting. I mean, it was just genius. And as we'd leave, I'd go, what about, what about that? And he'd go, yeah, that's Stubbs. We'll do that next week. And then we'd go into Chinatown and have a massive bowl of noodles. It seems to me that there's this great emphasis on paying attention to what seems to be the little things, but actually they end up being the huge things. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was your parents' background. So your father was born in 1939. Yes. Your mother's parents, they met in London, but they came from Hungary and Austria. Austria. And so they escaped the Holocaust, but much of their extended family didn't. Yes. And I suppose I just want to ask you about what effect you think that might have had on you in terms of valuing life. Yes, I think the effect that had on my mum was enormous. So my mum grew up in a house where there was a suitcase packed in the hall every day because they thought they might have to run. And where my grandpa's pockets, he would always have cash hidden just in case that they have to run because all of their family were killed. So I think my mum... Yeah, really valued life and wanted everything to count. Now, I could have said anything to her. I could have said, do you know what? I'm going to do this. doesn't matter that I do telly or whatever it was, but just make it count. doesn't matter anything else. And my dad was brought up sort of in the same vein, but where culture was very important. So it's not necessarily about success, but it is about reveling in books and art and sculpture and looking up. Whenever you're with my dad, Barry, I mean, he's a hero, he's always looking up. So, you know, whether you're in King's Cross or whether you're in the Lake District, I've actually never been to the Lake District with him. I went once, took me 18 hours to get there. Beautiful. I will go back. But yeah, I think I'm so lucky, a privilege to be brought up by both of them. So I'm going to say something that will make you shrivel. You're clearly highly intelligent. No. <laughs> you are. I'm just, just I'm, that's my opinion. Okay, okay, you're very sweet. And you're highly cultured. Where do you see light entertainment? I Actually, I take exception to that phrase, even light entertainment. Because yes. what, but where do you see it in the pantheon of all of this stuff that your parents taught you? Do you believe that it has profound value? Something like Strictly Come Dancing? I think, I think Strictly Come Dancing is, well, it's Christmas, isn't it? And even though it starts in September. So I love being part of, and by the way, and I'm not just saying this to be faux self-deprecating, I'm an idiot because I know I do that a lot and I know it's annoying because it sounds disingenuous, but I promise you on Strictly, which is a massive machine, a beautiful, glittery steam engine, I'm not even a cog. I am smaller than a cog. I don't know what that is. A bit of dust on the floor in the nicest possible way. I'd say the scores are in. And I'm there to make sure people are okay. Angela Rippon likes Tannock's tea cakes. I will get them for her. That is my job. So I'm only a miniature part of it. But I love the fact that it does bring, if this doesn't sound too hideous, sort of joy on a Saturday night. And it's one of the few things that whole families watch together. So grandparents with their grandchildren, it feels very special to be part of that. But going back to, I'm not intelligent, but going back to you know, doing exams and all of these things. I love exams and I like being tested. Mm. 
And that's live television mm. in different form. So if you said to me now, Claude, let's scrap this podcast because actually you're rubbish and I've had much better guests. But be a love. Could you just get on the train to Manchester and go and meet the following five people? Because I promised them I would and blah, blah, whatever it is. And then you've got to get them to John O'Groats or... And you've got to make sure they have a good time and stay on your I don't know. I like being tested. And that is five, four, three, two. Okay. Doesn't matter what it is. I like dancing. I mean, I can't do it. But if it was strictly come avocado chopping. Yeah. But it was live on television. I'm in. So you like the adrenaline, but also, might I add, I think you like the mothering. Maybe you're right. I like trying to look yeah. after them. Yeah. And I like, I really like the nerves and I like I like the camaraderie I love being part of a big gang which university is as well you know when we're all like I've got to write 5,000 words on Jura the guy did a rabbit and all of us in a panic I don't know much else by the way it all left my head it's a shame woodcuts yes. the apocalypse hair. extraordinary it, it was a hair, hair not yeah. a rabbit God, sorry I really what? hope my lecturer isn't <laughs> listening so I, what are you reading? Look at the ears. Of course, it's not a rabbit. Uh, we've got a rabbit who I'm in love with. Different Have story. you? Yeah. What's your rabbit called? Cheese. Oh, yeah, my daughter's funny. I always wanted a rabbit. Yeah, I mean, they're cuter than it could possibly be, but they're pooing okay. next level. I can't remember what I was wanging Nerves, on about. adrenaline. Nerves, mothering. adrenaline, and being part of the gang. Okay. I have open talkback. So when you do telly, you have an earpiece. And I always love open. Lots of people have clothes, which is, you know, they tell you, you know, move to the left, or we've only got two minutes. But I love hearing the entire gallery. I love hearing the fact that they've run out of ginger biscuits. When I'm in the middle of interviewing Les Dennis, I feel part of something much bigger than myself. Beautiful. Before we get on to your failures, I want to ask you about the traitors. I loved the traitors so much. I sent you a DM. I didn't know you. I just sent you a DM. <laughs> Claudia, I just have to say, this is the best piece of television I think I've ever seen. I watched it all one weekend. It was so incredible. So, so good. The psychological warfare of it. It was just genius. And we did see a different side to you in that you were swathed in this tweed and roll neck and you were very kind of straight faced and a bit scary and headmistress like. How hard was that for you? Impossible. Yeah. So when... I knew I wanted to do it. They said to me, can you go to Inverness for three weeks? And I was like, you don't seem to understand. I never leave my bed. It's a no. And then they went, no, no, no. But can you just watch? Can you just watch this? Because they'd made it in Holland. And I was obsessed by it. But we had no idea if it was going to do well. I mean, I literally got on the train to Inverness holding some red leather gloves, a cloak. And they said, at the end, there are going to be ceremonial pouches. I was like, guys, I think we're fucked. I mean, I just... Like, it's all over. Like, night-night. I've had a really good run. I get it. So my husband was like, okay, we're going to have to rethink everything. I absolutely loved it. And when they said at the beginning, I hope this isn't a spoiler. I don't think anybody's going to watch if they haven't. I had to send two people home. And I was like, oh, no, but I can't, I can't, I can't. I cuddle people when they've mm. just been judged by Craig. And they went, yeah, you can. And I did it. And my dad was so sweet because... He watched. I was like, you don't have to watch. I love you. And he was like, of course I'm going to watch. And he said, oh, no, you make that face. I said, what face? And he said, you made that face when you were four. When I go in, I'm like a bit. Oh, my God. I was like, did I? He was like, yes, when I told you you couldn't have an ice cream for breakfast. I was like, oh, okay. But I love them, but I also know too much. So I know I can't be close to them. I can't go really near them. And they kept on trying to separate me. Okay. But I love them for taking part 
But the most important thing in that show is the game and they have to be allowed to play the game. So me going in, going, you're not going to believe it. I mean, my favourite moment, talking about earpiece, I've got an earpiece on there, but it's closed. I don't hear the gallery, but it's just in case mm. they need to say. But Sarah, who's my boss there, she never really talks to me. And I was in the round table, I just sort of have to disappear into the wall. Yes. And I let it all happen. And when two traitors turned on another traitor, there's just a little voice, Sarah, in my ear, and she just said, what's your breathing? <gasps> oh, my gosh. And I was like, spy. this is not nothing. Wow. Well, I don't know what this is, but this is something. Okay, so I'm all, I'm not going to give a spoiler alert because I, if you haven't watched it, you really should, and I don't want to ruin your enjoyment. My favourite bit is when one of the traitors who has played such An a blinder of a game... game you see that facade crack and you comfort that person, but in an entirely appropriate way, which is you've played this game really well. It's about gameplay. Yes. So it was a, such an extraordinary show to do because sometimes I just wanted the faithful to get them. But then sometimes I just wanted the traitors to win. Yeah. You don't take sides, or maybe you do as you watch, but when you're standing there and you're in the middle of it, for me, for the crew, you love them all, but you respect more than anything mm. is really good gameplay. And that's what wins. Do you think it taught you something about stepping into that kind of powerful dark side that you had when you were four, when you couldn't get ice I mean, cream and that you, yeah. could, you could embrace again in your 50s? I mean, I imagine if you ask my kids, can she, is she always smiley and friendly? They'd be like, no, because when they haven't done their homework or if they haven't tidied their room or if they haven't said please or thank you, if they haven't cleared their plates, I get a bit traitorsy on them. And I don't make them wear a cloak. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the breathing. I can, I'm about to stop it. <laughs> but I can be quite strict. No, I, I absolutely loved it. I think the thing about traitors which really scared me, and I think that's what people tapped into, is we are told all our lives to trust our gut, aren't we? I've definitely been told as a woman, and by both my parents and all my friends. It's all we say, trust your gut. You will know. If he's the one, if it's the right dry cleaners... <laughs> If this is the flat you should rent, whatever it is, just trust your gut. And what Traitors teaches you is your gut knows nothing. And you can't always trust it because your best friend might be lying to you. It pulled the floor out from under me just to watch that. Because your friendships are very important The to most you. important. And it's the one thing that you're not self-deprecating about, I think, is that you know you have worked at your female friendships and yeah. they are extremely important to you. And they've worked too, but yeah. we don't take it for granted. Yeah. And I... Love them. And if you said, what are you proud of? I can't be proud of anything. I mean, I'm quite proud of the way I roasted chicken. Quite. Uh, Did you bread sauce? No, I don't. And I almost want to leave. <laughs> to solid no. I know, I actually know that it's a character flaw in me that I love it. Do you love it? It's a weird thing from school where the chicken at school wasn't great, but the bread sauce could always be relied upon because it was always from the same packet. And was quite tasty. Yes, yeah, so I, I love packet bread sauce. Oh, you're adorable. <laughs> I'm so glad you haven't walked out. Thank you. No, of course you're, I wouldn't. You're quite proud of how you roast the But I, you know, but proud isn't that, but of course I'm not. But I do, I love my girls. I love my friendships. They're everything. And you have to look after them. Dolly Alderton, who's a genius. She's a genius. Yeah. And I read what she said once. And I realised that we've been doing that, which is you treat them like you do when you're in the 
relationship with the same love and the same care and no I said we were having dinner we're having dinner or I'm coming around to yours or if something bad happens to anyone we call it a state of emergency and it's down tools mm. okay your failures you've done that very very generous thing of sending me many many failures to I've choose got hundreds. from I know you can choose whichever you like your email itself was just an art form let's start with movement, and then we'll go on to sleep. So why have you chosen movement as one of your failures? I mean, I've got lots. And also, I just think we should give a scattergun. Like, I'm not good at fun. I'm not good at change. I'm not good at, yeah, new. I'm not good at impulsiveness. I'm not good at anything, but I'm really bad at movement. I have never moved. And I'm 51, my body. I mean, I'd almost like to show you my stomach. It's It's like it's made of crepe. It's like layers and layers of weirdness. So only last week I tried Pilates. What's that all about? Yeah, I'm not a huge Pilates fan. Do you do movement? I do. You look amazing. It's not you look amazing. No, I don't. It's not even about what you look like. Who cares? Like I want to be in bed, but I. It's about strength. I don't have any strength. I can't open a jar. I can't open. I needed eye drops last week, and I drop. I can't do it. I try it. I make a noise. I do a special chant. I bang it on something. I can barely brush my teeth. Do you think part of that is to do with growing up when we did? So it's like 80s, 90s. I'm much older than you. I love the fact that you're putting us in the same pocket. Are you you insane? No, I could be your grandmother. Shut up. I'm about to be 45 and you're 51. I feel like, but I was born 72. I asked for a crochet set for my I suppose you're you're not a millennial. I'm on the cusp. I'm Gen X, geriatric millennial cusp. (laughs) No, I, yes, maybe we never moved and I don't have a garden. But I know I have to. I know I have to for longevity, for everything, for my head, for my body, for all of it. I need to do, I even just go for a walk. But I also think because we grew up in a culture where it wasn't cool to say, I'm going to the gym. Do you remember? Like in the, yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you exercise regularly, it seemed a bit odd. Yes. And there was this sense that you had to naturally look a certain way, but it came very easily to you. Yes. Yes, that kind of effortless, what, this old thing? Exactly. These abs. Yes. And at the same time as that was happening, there was this heroization of grunge culture and yeah. extreme thinness. And... I wonder if also part of not wanting to move was rebellion against that. Like, actually, fuck all that. I'm going to look how I look. I'm going to feel how I feel. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. That's A. B, have you ever been to a gym? Yes, yeah. It's the most depressing thing. I went once as a taster. I went to Fitness First. And by the way, I think Fitness First is very good. I'm I'm not sagging them off. As gyms go, I'm sure it's fine. Big open thing down the stairs and (laughs) you hear machines. There are people everywhere already. I'm practically agoraphobic. Then, I mean, I'm not, but for what? Are you an introvert? Yes. Mm. I love being by myself and I love who I love. Ditto. I mean, at 21, I think I said to my mum, my SIM card's full. I'd only had a phone for six months. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. But I'm married to an extrovert. Constantly, Claude, you're not going to believe. I just met a lovely man. He lives in Leicester. He said, would we go up? <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, uh, okay, we're going to come on to that failure next, but the movement thing. So you've now realised that you have to. Yes, and I would like people to let you and I know through the power of podcast world of what I should do. I went to a spin class. I like that. I've now introduced... 
weight training, which I love. Now, who do you do this with? I do this with a man, a lovely man called Luke. Luke? Yes. And he's... Can I have Luke's number? 100%. I'll put you in touch. I've been working with him for a, a year and I wanted to feel stronger. I want to feel strong. This is what Am I going do. to Luke's? Yes, you're going to go to Luke. Well, I'll hook you up afterwards. You've already hooked me up with a spray to hand woman before we started recording. You are going to, when you meet Sophia, you are going to resign from life. And you're going to go, thanks very much. I'm going to say to your husband, babe, change of plan. I'm going to just stay at home and have spray tans. We she is each other's lives out. I done. can't wait. But the weight training thing is super interesting because I think I always felt that exercise, capital E exercise, had to feel like it was a nightmare. Like yes. I was about to expire every yes. single day. I don't want to do that. Yes. I thought it had to feel like that in order to be good for me. Yes. It's just such a weird dysfunctional yes. thing, which is why I did a lot of cardio, but hated it. Yeah, I hate Weight training, I actively enjoy. And you it's not cardio. As in, you'll get a cardio benefit because your heart rate goes up, but it's all about sort of strength, leanness, yeah. feeling Arms. empowered. Arms. Arms. At 51, if I wave at somebody, my arm continues to move for another month after it. Like, hi, I just need... Yeah, okay. Luke. Do you actually not care about how you look? Or I don't is care. that a front? I don't care about what I look like. Have you seen me? You're gorgeous. No, I'm disgusting. No, you're not. I mean, I want to look the same. I don't mean I want to look the same. I don't mind getting aged. I want to look orange, black eyes, Tipex mouth... And let it all decay around me. I don't want to suddenly go, do you know what? I'm throwing on a gloss and a bit of blush. I don't want to change what I do. I want to get decrepit looking the same. But what I look like, I mean, my mum always said what you look like. That's not the thing. That can't be the thing. Mm. So we didn't have any mirrors growing up. I had no idea what I looked like. So it's part of that opting out of a culture that does seem increasingly to be about appearance. Well, I don't understand social media and I'm not being rude about it because this will be on social media and I'll post and you'll post and it can be absolutely fantastic. And I love watching it because I watch baby goats and I watch a teddy bear cooking and I don't know what account that is, but we should all follow it. And I like it for fashion because I'm obsessed by fashion so I can watch all of the fashion shows just on my phone. So I'm not being anti just for being a dick's sake, but I don't really understand being able to see yourself all the time. And I often, you know, when... The kids have been playing with my phone, but the, the camera switched round, mm. and I have to call somebody or I'm making a call. And I'm like, I don't understand why Ozzy Osbourne, I didn't even invite him round. And then I'm like, oh, me. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be in the dark about all of that. And also I've always had terrible eyesight. So which is going back to the blurriness of the paintings yes. I like and the blurriness of how I'd really like life to be, which is no overhead lights, mm. just a 17th century is where I would have absolutely smashed it. <laughs> well, I'm not that keen on tulips. I wouldn't have said that then, obviously. <laughs> but like a lit candle and everything just being a bit fuzzy around the outside. So I was born, I think I was minus 15. So I've never really been able to see my face. Oh my goodness. It's all guesswork. I had no idea. Yeah. So you wear heavy duty contact lenses? I had a couple of operations since then because I was just, yeah, banging into walls. But yeah, now I wear lenses or glasses or whatever. But I can't, everything is ish. It's yeah. just a vague idea, which is how I'd like to live. One of my best friends, mum's best friend, I know this is a long story, went to Specsavers, had her eyes fixed, had the laser. And she's quite sexy in her 70s, like sort of blousy, like great hair, just a sort of attitude. Went, had her eyes fixed. 
went home, looked at herself in the mirror and looked at her house with sharp focus, went back to Specsavers and said, you've got to put it back. Did they? I think they just laughed at her. But she was just like, no, no, I don't want to live in... That's what I was saying before. I don't want to live in perfect land. I want to live in fuzzy world. Fascinating. Yeah. And explain so much. That's really profound. Your children, how old are they now? They're so good. Hello. 20, 17, 12. And so has that had an impact on how you've raised them to not care about... I try my hardest. Mm. I try my hardest. But also... I'm ancient and annoying in their eyes, correctly and embarrassing. So as much as my daughter goes, mm-hmm, uh-huh, 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 yeah, no, I know, it doesn't matter. And then she'll go like, mum, what do you think of this highlighter? And I get it. Yeah. But yeah, they are edible. Hello, it's Elizabeth Day here. You're probably sick of the sound of my voice, but here I am again. I hope you're enjoying the finale episode of season 18 of How to Fail. And I wanted to pop on here to let you know that if you simply can't get enough of me, I'm going on tour next year to tie in with the paperback publication of my latest book, Friendaholic, Confessions of a Friendship Addict. It is a journey through friendship, both personal and also evolutionary and I unpack a lot of the significance of friendship and what other people have said about it and my favourite thing is to take a book on the road in this way and get to open up these conversations to a wider audience and get to meet so many of you. I can't wait. These live shows are so, so special. I did a whole pile around the publication of The Hardback. I've done live shows with How to Fail before and it is so unique because the atmosphere that is created by all of you lovely listeners and all of you lovely audience members is just so tantalisingly intimate. Gosh, that sounds rather exciting. But what I mean by that is that it sort of ends up being a really safe space for us to share what we've all learned from friendships and failures in our lives. So I would love to see you there. You can go to www.fane, that's F-A-N-E.co.uk forward slash Elizabeth hyphen day for all of the info. That's www.fane.co.uk forward slash Elizabeth hyphen day. I am doing Derry, which I'm super excited because that's where I grew up. I'm doing Dublin. I'm doing Chester, which is also being streamed online if you can't make it in person. I'm doing the London Palladium, one of my favourite venues, the Assembly Rooms Edinburgh. And for the first time, I'm coming to Bristol. So have a look. It's all happening in March 2024. And I hope very much to see you there. They will all also be a link in the show notes. Now back to Claudia. Your second failure is sleep. Yes. So I'm a sleep fanatic. Mm. It's really. So Im- are you? Love sleep. So How many hours do you get? Well, I can tell you this. Yeah. Do you have an aura ring? No, I hate tracking, which okay. we'll also talk about. But my Love husband track. loves tracking. Yeah. And he recently was influenced by another podcast, one of those man's podcasts into buying a sleep topper like a mattress topper that tracks your sleep but not only that you can choose what temperature you want your side of the bed to be what are you talking about i was okay i was very very anti it because i don't like being tracked but then i started getting a 98 99 percent scores once i got a perfect 100 and i was like i am nailing sleep and i get i basically get eight hours a night (gasps) 
What time do you get into bed? I wish it were earlier. But I tend to go to sleep around 11. But I'll get into bed at sort of 10.30 and read. Yes. Yeah, so anyway. (laughs) I'm I'm so happy for you. I'll also give you the details of that mattress stopper. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also because I married a Dane. He likes it freezing. I I like like it it freezing. Oh, I like it boiling. Oh, yeah, you are. So I'll often go to bed with wearing two pairs of socks. Okay. Super hot. So you're a sleep fanatic. I'm a sleep fanatic. I've always slept. I nap all the time. In fact, I had all my family around for lunch yesterday and it was adorable hence the roast chicken comment. And I had a nap while they were there. <laughs> while they were all in the room. And there's 10 of us. Bah, 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 this, can you pass me that? Oh, rah, rah. And I was like, guys, just got to get some shut eye. Lied on the sofa, had a little sleep, then woke up. And how long is a nap? Oh, it can be 15. I can't go over 35. I'm not, no. I'm not ill. Yeah. But because then, that, then you're messing. Then you feel terrible. With your, yeah. With your, and also then you're messing with your... And also I don't... Close the curtains. I've got very strict nap rules that I could really bore you with, but I don't get under the covers. I'm happy to use an old towel or a, a One coat. that you don't hang up, that's the, another failure. I've apparently. never hung up a towel, apparently. I said to my husband, failures, and he went, <clears throat> buckle up. Anyway, the main ones, in 25 years of marriage, I've never hung up a towel. Whatever, we survive. It's not my thing, turns out. So I love sleep, and then lockdown, and I must be very menopausal. I'm 51 meant that I wasn't sleeping well enough. And I spoke to my girlfriend and she said, what you need is some CBD capsules. I was like, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? I don't even drink caffeine. That all feels quite risky. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, you're going to love it. And then I discovered cannery and I love them so much. So I sort of followed them around. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> Found out where they lived, started wearing yellow. Anyway, I love them and it's really helped my sleep. Thank goodness. So cannery are a CBD brand and you're yeah. launching a new range with them of candles yes candles a lip lip balm balm, how do you feel about lip balm I love lip balm but I I used it so much at one point in my life that I became allergic to a specific kind not allergic you became an addict do you mean I think I became an addict and then yeah and then I just sort of I just my lips started reacting against was it comics no I love I use comics every single day do you I do and other lip brands are available I don't know why I said that I'm not on the BBC not like you you (laughs) yeah but I suddenly panic was that Vaseline? <laughs> no, it was Vaseline. Yes, you can't it was the lanolin. Yeah. I think that was the thing. Okay. Anyway, this lip, the Canaray lip balm that you is designed it? is amazing. You are going to, and I know this is bad, you might defecate. All I want you to do when you... Not put, because of the CBD. No, because you're going to love it so much. You're going to go, how did I... Yeah, they're really, really sweet. And I love them. And they were like, what? I said, it's got to be minty. It's got to be tingly. It's got to be slightly medicinal. Like, let's not dilly-dally. We're not just putting a film on our mouths and going about our day. And it's in a little beautiful sort of black, circular... Anyway, I love it. And there's a hand cream that's been designed around your own penchant for putting hand cream on while you drive. Yeah, bad. I really shouldn't drive for my so eyesight. Like weird, I don't drive a lot, really but I love <laughs> my car. So I love it. So yeah, whoopsie. Sometimes I drive and that's where I'll put hand cream on. I'm never going to walk around the house going, do you know what I need? A bit of hand cream. Yeah. But if there's one in the car one in your bag when you're on the tube I'm on the central line a lot fine so did it sort your sleep out the CBD yes it's much better because if I haven't slept then sometimes things feel just too much you know if I haven't had a good night's sleep and I go down and one of the kids goes mum have we got any ketchup because they've cooked some bacon or something if I haven't slept I'll be like we don't even have I don't need it a lot if 
I've slept well, mum, have we got any ketchup? No, no, we haven't. But why don't you use HP? Yeah, all right. It just absolutely changes my whole outlook. See, impartial. BBC impartiality there. Did you see? Had to. Panicked. (laughs) Wanted to mention daddy sauce. (laughs) Got to mention three. (laughs) My body was shaking. Daddy sauce, I once went on Gabby Logan's podcast. Is it bad that I'm mentioning no, that? No, lo- I love adorable. Gabby Logan and I love that podcast okay, and fine. I've been on it myself. Um, and she said, what do you want to talk about? Because it was about midlife or yeah. getting old or whatever. And I said, sleep. And she had a sleep expert on there. And he said what I've always believed, which is it doesn't matter when you get it. So I, it might, like last night, I was asleep at, I think, 9.45. I mean, I get into bed at 8. Mm. You're dealing with, I mean, I love it. More than life itself. I was reading, you know, trying to lick the little child. He doesn't want me to do that anymore. It's super weird. And then I woke up super early. So after this, I will have a bit of shut eye. And they said, don't worry about when you get it. And that made me relax. Because I was always taught that you had to get enough sleep before midnight. Were you ever taught that? Yes, I was taught that. I was taught that. I probably get most of my sleep before midnight. Because I get into bed so early. Because I'm allergic to going out. Would you ever do an early morning breakfast show if you were offered it? Have you ever done one? No, I'd be terrible. Okay. You mentioned there that if you don't get enough sleep, you get a bit weepy potentially. Do you ever get angry? I rarely get angry. I don't like anger. I mean, I think it's happened twice. It made me feel uncomfortable. No, not my bag. Are you conflict avoidant? Yes. No, I mean, I don't... (laughs) No, I think so. I would prefer... Always to apologise and just make anything better. What's the thing that makes you most angry? Is it injustice? Yeah. Injustice or somebody being... Not to me, but to somebody I love. Yeah, I'll rip their heart out. Mm. One of your many other failures, so your third failure, but it's not your final one. Parties. Rubbish, aren't they? Absolute bullshit. And the faster we can... No, by the way, I'm just rubbish. I like sitting down. Yes. Going back to the testing, if you say, or liking exams, when I'm in Manchester dealing with the five people because you can't make it, if I could sit down with them anywhere, any coffee shop or a restaurant, or if I was coming to somebody's house for dinner, if I can sit down, it's fine. What I can't do is the standing up when people are talking to you, but they're looking over your shoulder. You're trying to hold a bowl and you've got a clutch bag and you're in a high heel. By the way, I didn't like it when, I know I just sound very old. I didn't like it in my 20s. The first nightclub I ever went to, by the way, I was like 22. It's so embarrassing because I was in no rush because I was reading and just being a turd. And I went with my girlfriend and she says this now. It was like wild and fun. I think it was called the Limelight. I'd never got into a nightclub before. We were all in London. Everyone was dancing. We were literally just wearing bras. And like, it should have been amazing. And I walked in and I turned to her. It was something. And I went, that's a trip hazard. <laughs> and she went, babe, should we go home? I went, yeah, let's go home. Got a kebab, went home. It was home by 10. So all I'm saying is I'm just not very good at them. There are people who are excellent. So many of my friends... They love it. They And I like getting dressed up. I like doing makeup. I like chatting to my girls. I would just prefer to do it in a Nando's. Okay. Do you celebrate your birthday? I like getting older yeah. because I think feel that, that always feels like a win. So I loved 50. I love 51. I didn't understand people who were like, oh, my God, don't let, let me look at it. I don't want to get 40. I mean, it's all coming, right? Mm-hmm. The train yeah. has left the station if we're lucky. So mm-hmm. I like that. But... I don't really like the attention, which doesn't make sense because look what I do for a living. But that's different, isn't it? Because I'm not saying that you adopt a persona because you don't, you're yourself. But 
there's something about the formula of it that feels protective, I suppose. Rather yes, than, yeah. and also when I do that, it's not about me. It's yes. either who's a traitor or who's a faithful or who's just done a dance that's going to be worth a 10. It's yes. not on me. I'm just a conduit. I'm there to be helpful. Yeah, I've found this thing, and I'm not comparing us for a second, but occasionally I've done How to Fail live shows yeah, go on. in theatres. Yeah. And that never feels to me as draining as going to a party. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's because, first of all, it's a self-selecting audience, but I, I genuinely feel like I'm having a one-on-one conversation with everyone there. Yes. There's an intimacy to it. Yes. Do you like parties? It's such a good question because I think I have wanted to like parties and attempted to convince myself that I do for a very long time. And I think I enjoy having thrown a good party. Yes, I like feeding. (laughs) In retrospect, yes. I don't actually know, and this is a very recent realisation, how much I enjoy the party when I'm in it. And I'm not, I don't know if I do, but... I think I enjoy a party more than a dinner. I love a dinner. I love a dinner if it's people that are my intimate circle that I do. If it's like a dinner party where you have to make a lot of conversation to a number of people. But it's. I think with a party, you can get away with not having to talk. I think that's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I just, because of what I do for a living, I suppose. Yes, I bet I find talking... Exhausting. Yes. Do you ever get like that? No, no, I like a chat. I like a chat. Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying about myself and it's not about me. No, no, it is. It's interesting. But also because you are a brilliant interviewer and because you are innately curious, I imagine that you sitting down at a dinner, you're not satisfied unless you know absolutely everything. Exactly. And that can be exhausting. And I want to get very deep, which I know that you are very good at. You are deep. I love it. But you said to me before we started recording, by the way, I'm not going to be serious about anything. No. I don't like being serious if I'm being filmed. If we're not being filmed, I'll go wherever you want. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, fine. Well, I'll hold you to that. But yeah, so tell me about your dinner parties. (laughs) I like feeding people. So I like people coming round. I like making an enormous pie. I like filling them with booze, pie, Mm. cheese, and all of that. And I like, I think maybe it's just about being seated. Yes, okay. I know. I say... As I analyse, because you don't move enough. I want to be comfy. When you start doing weights, then I'll be able to do it. A party animal. I'm not very good at small talk. Is what I genuinely think. Yes, I'm not interested in. I don't care how my summer was. Yeah, and I so I can't reiterate. What did you do? Oh, we stayed in the UK. I think that's what we're both getting at. Oh, where's your kid? Oh, he's at uni. Was that hard? I can't do that. Can I sit down with people and go? You scared of death? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, ditto. That I can do. Yes. I can't do the former. I'm not good at it. Okay. Oh, this has been really cathartic. I feel like I've learned something and I, I'm delighted. Ditto. Thank yeah. you. But how do you deal with fame in that I'm not case? famous. I think you are. And, no, and by the way, as I, I said, it, no, it's not even that uncomfortable. I don't mean to be a dick because there's nothing worse than I'm on the central line four times a day. Mm. Four times. And it's very hot at the moment, by the way. Just, yeah, but I, I like it being warm. But today, it was unmanageable. It's very I never recognise. I can go anywhere. I do think, and this might sound ridiculous, I think it's a decision you make. Mm-hmm. I was brought up by journalists, so I am always on the journalist's side, strangely. So I know that they might want to write something. But I, I don't do red carpet. I don't, I don't feel famous 
I feel incredibly lucky for the job that I do. Is that annoying? No, not annoying. I'm at just all. being completely honest. Yeah. I'm, so I'm not saying it in a kind of. But I'm I think not. You're right. There are other people who are just famous. How do you think you cope with that if you were Beyonce, for instance, and people were She's recognizing magical. you on the Central Line? Beyonce doesn't travel on the Central Line, although I think she would enjoy it. And we would carry her on a sedan chair, should she ever wish, uh, to get off at Moorgate. Uh, Moorgate's Northern Line, my mistake. I think huge fame must be debilitating. But, you know, with huge fame often comes money, so you can build yourself nice walls and get a cab wherever you want. And I don't think it would be bad, but I'm pleased I'm not. When people do recognise you, what do they generally say? Oh, I can tell you exactly what they say. Please sign this for me, Davina. That's what they say. I swear to God. And she has it too. And I love that woman more than life itself. And I was properly, probably when somebody was sort of slightly startled and I was like, it's happened. I mean, I was humming the Strictly theme tune and wearing sequins. But no, I wasn't. I was in a bookshop. I was in foils. And somebody went, oh my God, please, will you sign something? And I was like, of course. And I was like, here we go, guys. Because I've always thought my life maybe was just funded by my parents so that I would feel good about myself. Oh, yeah, like the Truman Show. Like the Truman Show, like Strictly's not on, or Strictly's there, but it's hosted by somebody else. And, like, the traitors was just made up and you are an excellent Elizabeth Day lookalike. Where, yes, darling, good luck with the podcast. And they've just done it so that I feel happy. And I said, well, how do you want me to sign or what's your name? And she went, oh, my God, I've always loved you, Davina. My name's Lucy. So I said to Lucy, love Davina. So you see, kind, you're very kind. Again, no, you didn't want to no, disillusion no, no. her. So final question on this. You mentioned that your husband is an extrovert. Yeah. Does he want to go to parties? Not that much anymore, but he You've did. You've ground him down. Yeah, I've ground him down. He did, but it's good for both of us because if I was married to somebody like me, I wouldn't have even been here today. I would just be at home and we'd be like making toast and lying in bed. Mm. And I think it's good for him that he has married somebody as dull as me so I can go mate we don't want to do that I read I can't believe I used the word mate I've never called him mate (laughs) maybe it's a new sex thing (laughs) putting that in my back pocket I read that he's Danish is he actually Danish or is his family Danish yeah he's super Dane so tell me about the Danes the Danes are magical I'm not just saying this this. no they are I tell you what they are there is no he we've been together 25 years he's never asked me what's for dinner once So in Denmark, I think paternity leave is the same as maternity Mm. leave. So it's not my job. It is our job to try and look after these little puffins and make sure the house is sort of in some semblance of tidy and all of these things. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm not saying non-Danes are horrible. I know lots of men from (laughs) Britain. BBC impartiality again. No, no, but I I really (laughs) mean it. I'm not saying lots of my friends are married blokes from around the corner and they are super charming. But anyway, I'm lucky that I have that. The Danes itself, his family in Denmark, what I love about them, and again, this is a mass generalisation, I hope I'm not offending anyone, is life is not about stuff. Mm. It's not about, they have one pale sweater, one dark sweater, something for going out, fancy, and life is all about experience. And whether it's holidays or seeing something majestic or going to a beautiful gallery or going out with friends and eating amazing food or, I mean, I'm obsessed by playing bridge, Chris and I love bridge. What I would like to do is give up all work and go on the bridge circuit, but I'm not good enough. He's very good. But anyway, so if it was bridge, that's what they would do. So I like that whole ethos. So when the killing was on, yeah, could he understand it without the subtitles? He could understand it. 
I know. See? <laughs> I thought Fourthly. I could understand it without the subtitles because I thought I watched so much of it that I was now fluent in Danish. Yeah. Incorrect. God, how good was that show? Do you remember? So, her yeah. sweater. Her sweater. Everything about everything that show was so revolutionary. It was like the traitors was like that for reality TV. No, that's how so I feel sweet. about it. No, that's how I feel about it. No, I <laughs> love the fact that you said that. <laughs> okay, living in the present. We've yes. got now is one of your failures. I have so many. I know. How long is this so podcast going to be? An hour. We've got ten minutes left. Okay, I'm so, so sorry. I feel no. apologised to your. How lovely of you and how generous of you don't to be give silly. me so many. Well, I don't live in the present at all, so I can tell you what my children will be eating on the third Thursday in February. Chipolatas in brackets, herbed, close brackets. <laughs> I don't live for now enough, so I just booked my summer holiday, uh-huh. August twenty-four. Yeah. It's a week away. I've booked where we're sitting on the plane. Okay. It's row 20. Okay. I'm totally into it. I'm not sure whether that's normal, but I think I live way too much in the future. A future I hope that everybody is healthy and fine Mm -hmm. for. I don't want to take it for granted. Makes me nervous. Let me just... Uh, that was movement. <laughs> well done, that's you for the week. I just lent, yeah. We're done for the month, guys, relax. We just lent to touch words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think that's a failure. I see lots of my friends who are, my cousin who's just brilliant and sexy and smart and fantastic. She was the one who introduced me to Canary. If she knew I was with you, she would phone up and go, there's this amazing Korean restaurant. It's open just outside London. Let's go for lunch. Should we cycle there? Yeah. What? Yes. I can plan for that kind of event in March. You know, it, and I wish I could live for now because I see people do it all the time and it looks super fun. And the planning for the event in March or the planning for the holiday in August is part of that because you need time to think yourself into it. I like looking forward to things more than the things. Okay. So I love, people say Christmas decorations are going up too soon. If it was me, they'd start in July. Christmas Day, fine. Christmas Eve, fine. I mean, it's all fine. But I love making the Christmas cake, talking to my little one, going, if we make gingerbread this year and we don't make snowflakes, is it wrong that I'm in the mood for Christmas squirrels? No, mummy, I think that's an excellent idea. Should we think about how we could make a stencil? Yes, would the squirrels wear bow ties, mummy? I think they might. And would they have buttons on their waistcoats? I think they might. I mean, we do that every year. I don't know where the gingerbread ends up, and I do. Burnt at the end of a plate. That's what I'm saying. Do you do the same? I do for different reasons. Go on, what is your reason? Um, I think I like to feel that I have an illusory control over the chaos of the universe. That, yes, I so, think that's right. Yes, I'm like you. If someone said, let's cycle to a Korean restaurant right now, I'd be like, I just can't fit that in. I can't, yeah. there's no, I can't By the way, even though I'm not doing anything else. Yes. I'm only chatting to you and napping today. Yes. I definitely do have time to cycle to a new restaurant. But you're probably in a delightful fizz of anticipation about not doing anything. Yes, like, I am. And the na- yes, yeah. I wonder many things about it, but I'm sorry I'm going to try and get serious again. No, I like it. <laughs> what we were talking about at the beginning about your parents yeah. and where they came from. Yeah. The future isn't guaranteed. And there must be an enormous amount of anxiety and trauma that we carry around if we have that in our history. Is there something there that is connected, do you no, think? I don't Come on, think, No, I love you. <laughs> I don't think I can take that on because that would be unfair to them yes. and what happened yes. to their family. 
I think I am a possibly, yes, I'm controlling and I can't control much. I want to make sure that my kids have the best day. Two of them are at school, one is at university. That's all I need. Four mm. o'clock, great day. Mm. Did my homework at lunch. Yeah. Got on brilliantly with my friends. Yeah, I think I am going to do chemical engineering. That is all I want. Yeah. But seemingly, I can't control that. Hopefully, but we all know that doesn't happen every day. But if I can book a week away at the end of August, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just makes me feel good. Yeah, and almost if, if, no, if one of your kids had a bad day, you could say to yourself, we've got that week in August and yeah. then we, everything will be lovely and we'll yeah. identify it. I have one friend who does the same. I love her so much. She's called Celia. She already texted me, we're going to spend New Year's together. We'll be asleep at two minutes past 12. Yeah. But all our kids are friends. She already has texted me going, are we doing jacket potatoes or boiled new? I love that shit. I mean, that is erotic to me. Yes. Jacket we've gone for. Just in case if anyone's listening. Who wouldn't go for jacket, by the way? But with a mountain of grated cheese in a separate bowl. Delicious. And butter? Salted. Okay. Oh. We've already had a conversation. Yes, of course you can. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Of course you can. Does the reality always live up to the anticipation? No. Does it never live up to the anticipation? It does sometimes. Sometimes. It does sometimes, but it is problematic when you've already lived it in your Mm -hmm. head. So the week away, I've already decided what I'm taking. I've never bought summer clothes, by the way, because I don't believe in summer. So I still have the swimming costume. No word of a lie that I had at school. A speedo. Can't fit into it. It's disgusting. It's a racer back. But that's how I feel about summer clothes. But I've already packed. Well, there's a whole life to live before August 24. And all kinds of things... I hope good will happen, but lots of things bad might happen because mm. I would like your listeners because they will be wiser than me to tell me what this means. Yes. Because I wonder how you cope then when something happens that you haven't anticipated that is chaotic and difficult. Well, you get through it and you get through it with them and with the love and care of those that are around you. So I suppose it's not about avoiding that. I think I love having things to look forward to. That's part of the fun for me. Yes. Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. However, when I have, in my 51 years of life, I think it's happened twice, had an impromptu night out with Hot Cousin, Mm -hmm. we ended up in Hull. It was fantastic. I can't tell you any more than that, but it was filthy and fantastic. It wasn't Hull. I can't remember where it was. (laughs) I think it was Watford. Anyway, just as good. They have been amazing times, but yeah. I guess I'm just a bit controlly and weird. Well, I also wonder how live television fits into this because that is all about being in the moment. You have to you have be to. in the actual moment. And so maybe you have so much of it... Maybe. ...that you don't need it in the rest of your life. So do you know what you're doing? I'm just interested. I love this. For Christmas, New Year and next summer. Yes, not New Year... Okay. But yeah, we've... Well, just, New Year, you're coming to mine. Oh, yes, that's a jacket that's potato. Left open, obviously. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like you, my default is always not to do anything. So I love the idea of not doing anything on New Year's yeah. Eve. So I like the idea that there's a space... We're love not that. doing anything with you and salted butter. Yeah. We have... We are not doing anything, by the way. We'll be in pyjamas and okay. I will be there. Huh. We have booked our holiday. You see? Yeah. Is that your husband that's or That's my you? husband. But I'm thrilled that he has. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a curious mixture in the sense that up to 35, I was very much like you in the sense of sort of planning ahead and getting a great deal of comfort from that. Then I got divorced 
and loads of stuff that I hadn't planned for happened and like not having babies, having unsuccessful yeah. fertility treatment, all of that. And that put me in a place of fear. Yeah. But it also, on the, on the flip side of that fear, I realised there was opportunity and possibility yes. by, by having space. And so now I'm in between the two states in a way. Like, I'm really talking about career stuff now. Yeah. I like being able to be instinctive when I'm offered a work opportunity yes. and say yes to it. I think this is perfect, what you are. Because you have both. I think you're perfect. How you are. No, I mean, you must never change. But you know what's interesting? Is going back to what we talked about before, which is my hatred of perfect. Yes, quite weird then that I'm trying to book this exactly it makes is sense. quite weird yeah the fuzzy vision that you have but you want to be 2020 about the future yes but by the way I will also say this the holiday at the end of August I will not be posting us all in matching outfits yeah and there can be an argument between my three kids or there can be sort of mild, dicky tummies after the first mm. night. I'm not trying to create a perfect holiday. Yes. But I like the fact that it's booked. Yes. Maybe that's just freelancing. Exactly. I was about to say, it's probably because you're so busy that you, and family, I'm getting the impression, is the preeminently important the thing in your thing. life. Yeah. yeah. So you need to book time to yes. make that happen. Yeah. God. I love chatting to you. I love chatting to you. This is so it's fun. It's so good. Okay, how long? We've got one minute left. Well, we can go over. It's fine. <laughs> I'm so um, grateful you had me on. I'm so grateful that you came on. Thank you so much. I have really, really wanted you on for absolutely ages. I find any interaction I have with you a joy. We have occasionally found each other at those parties that we hate. Yeah. And you've always been so lovely to me. Yeah. And you know the thing that I always think about you? You remember who I am. Even when You're I, I was... Day. No, You're ill. I... <laughs> Even when I was at those not very nice parties as a plus one and I wasn't anyone, you always remembered who I was. And I just, that was no, that's such a... silly. You remembered who I was. Mark of your character. Yeah. Let's end with your dad. Because yes. you said to me at the beginning of this podcast that he thinks failure is wonderful. He loves failure. I mean, he's a genius. He is. I'm not just saying that. But everything he says is correct. Everything. And he taught me and so my sister very early on that coming last was okay and in fact it was more than okay it was important because you couldn't and shouldn't be the best it's really good when other people are better than you and you should revel in them I hate comparing and contrasting because of him and my mum I just don't do it mm. there'll always be somebody better looking and smarter and funnier and sexier and brighter and isn't that amazing how lucky we are that we can just listen and be around their glow mm. full stop and it sounds as though he and your mum always made you feel totally loved exactly as you are exactly how I am I could do anything there is no judgment none and they really used to look after my kids and I remember I said to my mum once because I said look I like this or you know I was this kind of a if I'd said we're only feeding Tilda purple food and she goes to bed at midnight. And then if it's okay, could you wake her up with, I don't know, whatever, broccoli spears on your head? Mm -hmm. She would go, mm -hmm, got it, on it. Mm -hmm. Who does that? They're just the best parents. Did you tell your dad you were coming on a podcast called How to Fail? I did. And he said, well, that's excellent. Good girl. If you sent a list, I said, I've only sent about eight. And he went, well, I'm sure you can think of more in the proudest way possible. Because... Isn't that what it, the whole thing is? Yes. Admitting this is what I'm rubbish at. 
admitting and learning and sharing and laughing and just being a wonderful human. Claudia Winkleman, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I've loved every minute. If you enjoyed this episode of How to Fail with Elizabeth Day, I would so appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. Apparently, it helps other people know that we exist.